yes, welcome back to the Jack Vita Show, the podcast that touches on sports, entertainment, and everything else except for politics, uh, for that matter. I'm Jack Vita, glad to have you aboard on this, as I tape this, on Masters Sunday, it is April 11th, 2021. I have a lot of thoughts, and this is I'm going to have a lot of fun today, because I have no idea how long this episode's going to be. It's just me. There's no guest on today's episode. I'm going to give you the sports news, and I'm also going to unload a lot of my thoughts, primarily on the first 10 days or so of Major League Baseball season. Uh, I'll try to get to as many headlines and stuff that I've been tapped into over the last... 10 days or so. It's going to be a long season, so I'm going to be pacing myself. I'm not going to overexert myself. Can't go a full nine innings today, but you know, hey, I'll throw six uh, six scoreless, hopefully for you all, and uh, we can call it a day after that. All right, so as I mentioned, no guests today, but we do have, uh, in a week, we'll have a really fun episode coming out. I will be teaming up with Brian Cohen, who is the co-host of one of the most popular challenge podcasts. If you're a fan of MTV's The Challenge, he co-hosts The Challenge Wrap-Up on the Rob Has a Podcast podcast network. So he'll be on with me next week, and he's a huge Yankees fan. So I'm excited to get his thoughts on the Yankees. I wish he was with me today, really, because (laughs) there's plenty uh, to discuss with the Yankees. So I'm probably going to have to save a little bit of that for next week so you don't have to hear me go through that twice. But I'll give you what I I got uh, from this past weekend. Uh, We will get to that. And Another thing, guys, be on the lookout for, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and visit my website, jackvita.com, where I just wrote my five bold predictions for the 2021 Major League Baseball season. Uh, You can also find a lot of other stuff I've written. All my podcast episodes are on there, links to my YouTube, my social media, And uh, all of my content is on my website, jackvita.com. Subscribe to this podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast, so you don't miss out on any of that. And on top of all those things, I believe, we'll see, I, I think I'm going to be going on someone else's podcast this week for the first time. I've actually never been on anybody else's podcast before. Believe it or not, no one's wanted to have me. (laughs) But uh, yeah, if anyone listens to the show and has a podcast and you want me to come on and talk sports or talk something else, uh, hit me up on Twitter or social media at Jack Vita Show on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Also be posting the link to the podcast that I'm going on. Uh, If it's not this week, it'll probably be next week, but it's going to happen very soon. Joey Ricotta good friend of the show. He's a listener to this show and he's been on this show. He's a blogger and a podcaster. He started up his own podcast not too long ago called Stuffing the Stat Sheet, which is available wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast most likely. And uh, I'll be going on his show and I don't even know what he has in store for me if we're going to be talking the challenge on MTV, if we're going to be talking baseball, but uh, probably some baseball thoughts. So Make sure you guys check out his podcast and uh, follow along so you don't miss out 
when I go on that show. So someone, <laughs> I hope you guys like that new uh, sign-on I did for today's show. I've never done that one before. I recently got a message from a listener that said, hey, and I'm paraphrasing, it said, you know what, I started rec- I started listening to your show recently, and what I love about it is you don't talk politics. It's a breath of fresh air. You just talk about the sports that we want, and you have fun doing it, and it brings people together, and it doesn't divide people based on their political view. And I that, first of all, that message meant a lot to me. Anytime I receive uh, positive feedback, uh, you know, I... I Words of affirmation are definitely my love language, so uh, that's a way to my heart if you're able to uh, butter me up a little bit, but I'm really glad that that's something that I've been able to establish with this podcast. I think one of the things right now is things are becoming overly politicized. It's getting harder and harder to avoid politics and be able to escape from the stressors and Look, it's been a hard year. I mean, this past year in particular, last 12, 13 months, uh, it's like it's unlike anything any of us have ever been through before. I am not very political. I don't like to do politics, and I know that no one is coming to this show for Jack Vita's political opinions. I'm not the guy. There are people on both sides of the aisle that are worth listening to, which I actually... Not to get into politics, but I think it's important to listen to people on both sides so you can understand how everyone's thinking and try to try to build bridges with the people that you disagree with. Or maybe you're able to kind of look down the middle and say, hey, there's good ideas on this side, good ideas on that side. We should blend them together and not be at odds with each other. But at the end of the day, I think sports should be a unifier. I think that's one of the great things. Andrew Stem and I discussed this. Last week, when we were talking college basketball in this NCAA tournament, it really just brings people together of all kinds of different backgrounds. You go to a ball game, you sit next to someone, and you have no idea who they voted for, or you know they could come, they could look nothing like you physically. They could have all kinds of different religious, political views. They could be from a different part of the country, a different socioeconomic class. But when you're at a baseball game, none of that matters because you're talking about Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryan and Tim Anderson and these great athletes. And what I love about sports is you are able to escape. You're able to enjoy these things. And that doesn't mean that athletes should be quiet and they can't speak their minds. But I think the main thing right now for me is I'm just so tired of politics. You know, the election's over and I just want to... And again, it's like, it's unfortunate because for me to just say this feels political. You know, people are saying your opinion is that you don't like politics or you don't want to get into politics. Well, that's political. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, my whole thing is let's all get along. (laughs) Let's all get along. President of the Let's All Get Along Club and uh, find things that and ways that we can build bridges and try to understand people who look different from us or uh, think different from us. And I think sports traditionally has been a place for that. Now, having said that, uh, I have to just acknowledge the fact from the first 10 days of baseball season, probably the biggest national story is that the All-Star game got moved from Atlanta to Denver, and it will be played in Colorado this summer. This came after the president of the United States had actually 
spoken and said that the All-Star Game should be moved based on Georgia's new voting laws. And uh, really, I I don't want to add anything to that. I mean, you guys know how I feel. I don't like sports and politics really mixing. There are people who can argue for or against this far better than I can. And so I think as someone who brings you the news, I need to give you that news. But again, it's not really in my lane to say right or wrong. I just, it makes me sad that it can get divisive in these times. And I it sort of, it felt like this whole, it was a no-win situation for Major League Baseball. There's two different sides that see this thing entirely differently. Don't really put in too much effort to try to understand the other side and, you know, why, why people are upset about the voting laws. And then also understand why people are upset that they moved the All-Star game when you were you had an opportunity to honor Hank Aaron, uh, one of the pioneers for this sport, one of the greatest players who ever played this game, who passed uh, not too long ago. And um, I think there was a there's a strong argument, I guess, is by moving it. What does it actually accomplish? You know, uh, that's that's my main question with it. So that's really the best I'm gonna do. It's hard for me. It's hard for me because I want to present the news to you and share an opinion, but also do so in a way that isn't political. And what I hate about these things is it gets really difficult for me and for others to do that. It, it feels like it's something that people have to take aside and it just divides the fans. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate. It's sad when things such as this happen. And I think sports is at its best when sports isn't getting into this territory so that's all i have to say on that i just want to get that out of the way before we get into the fun stuff and get into all the other sports going on hideki masayama has won the masters he's made history the first ever japanese man to win the masters uh i was thrilled for him the masters just wrapped up about an hour ago and hideki shot a minus 10 and you know what's really funny about this with Hideki? I So here's a little thing about me. When I get ready for bed, sometimes as I'm just trying to get myself to sleep, I do a little bit of visualization and anticipating what I have in the days to come. You know, when I played baseball, I envisioned myself facing the pitchers on the other teams that I was going to see because I had faced them before. I pictured myself standing in that batter's box and looking around the field and what I was so used to, to prepare yourself mentally. But also, it, it is a way to unwind and get ready for bed. And what I did was I, I started thinking, I'm like, okay, my next podcast is Sunday night. I'm going to be talking about the Masters. Now, who do I have a feeling that I'm going to be talking about? And this was probably this was Friday night. So it was after a couple days of the Masters. I had this weird gut feeling that I was going to be talking about Hideki Matsuyama. I'm not kidding. At the time, Justin Rose was in the lead. Justin Rose shot like a minus eight or minus seven on the first day. And from that point on, the from Friday, Saturday, he was hovering around par. And then today he shot, he, uh, he ended up at minus five. So uh, I guess I don't know what he shot today, but he did move backwards from that lead that he had. He wasn't in the lead yesterday on Saturday. Matsuyama was a guy who was playing from behind. It's really hard 
and anytime when you're playing with the lead. But I think it's especially hard in golf. So Hideki Matsuyama, he's one of those guys that is just a good dude. Like, I just love rooting for him when I watch him. And he's just, I mean, he's a guy who's been hovering around that territory. You know, he's a top 25 player in the world. He's, he's a really dang good golfer. <laughs> so he came up from behind and he ended up emerging and winning the green jacket. And I just had a feeling, I'm like, who is it that I'm going to be talking about on Sunday night? I had this weird feeling of Sadeki Matsuyama. I was right. <laughs> I should have done something with that uh, with that weird hunch that I had. Not that it was anything really uh, really there. And no, you shouldn't gamble ever because it's a waste of money. <laughs> You're just setting money on fire. Jordan Spieth played. Uh, this is probably the best I've seen him play in a ma- in a major in what feels like a while. Uh, now, granted, I really didn't watch as much last year, so I, I could be. Again, this is based on me watching. It's not based on what is and what is not the case, but it was definitely the best I had seen from him in a while. He shot a minus seven. Will Zalatoris, a great story with this guy, he wanted to play golf at the University of Texas, and they didn't want him back. So he went, he played at Wake Forest, and uh, now in the year 2021, comes up second, one shot back of the lead. He shot a minus nine. Uh, Zalatoris, he is only age 24, so he's going to be a guy that's going to be fun to watch uh, over the, in the future. Hopefully, this is just the tip of the iceberg for this guy. Uh, I believe he's got a bright future. Xander Schauffele was actually pretty close to uh, getting back in the mix, and he had a bad shot that landed in the water, and he triple bogeyed. I think it was like the 15th hole, uh, but he was playing with Matsuyama, and I was thinking, man, this is going to get really good in a second. And Shafle just came unglued. Matsuyama wins the green jacket. First Japanese man ever to win the green jacket. So pretty awesome story with Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, really dang good golfer. Again, another guy who's sort of entering into his prime here. I mean, he's been around for a few years. He's been really good for a few years, but... He's, uh, he's starting to, with Ricky Fowler not playing in the tournament this year and Tiger going down, there is some space for some new stars in this sport. And I think Matsuyama, if he's able to string together a few good major appearances, just some good uh, top five finishes over the next few majors, he could be one of those guys that you look at in this sport as one of the faces and the stars of the sport. And I think he'd be a good one to have. Uh for that matter, especially with his uh, with his background. So great story, great seeing him win. Uh, Dustin Johnson was okay. I think he shot a plus two. Justin Rose, as I mentioned, came unglued. Patrick Reed was around there, minus four. Tony Finau, he's another one who's always a top 10 guy, it feels like, minus three. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that was the Masters. I gotta say, while I did watch a good amount and I always loved the Masters, this was I will say an improvement over the last Masters that we had, uh, which was in November, running opposite college football and NFL. It just felt kind of out of place in November, and Dustin Johnson set a course record. So the the greens were all dried up back in November. It wasn't the same as playing in April. So it felt. Like there was a little bit of an advantage. A lot of guys shot the lights out on that 
on that course uh, at Augusta. This time, it felt like a normal Masters. Now, there are a little less people there than normal, but hey, what can I say? I really enjoyed it, and I'm excited for the coming, the the next three majors that we have coming up this summer. I'm excited to see uh, if Ricky Fowler can get back to where he was. Uh, he's a guy that I always root for. He's just always so close. He's like Leroy on the challenge. It's like he's been hanging around for about 10 years. He's been one of the best at what he does. He's a good guy that's easy to root for, and he always just comes up so short. Uh, so hopefully Leroy can win the challenge. That'll redeem this uh, season of the challenge for me. But speaking of, again, I'll be talking probably a little bit of challenge with the challenge man himself, uh, Brian Cohen, next week. Brian Cohen's team, the New York Yankees. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him this next week, and we'll see how things play out this week. I do, I I would be concerned if I'm a Yankees fan. The Yankees lost two of three down in Tampa this weekend, and really that's that's to be expected. It's a it's a road series, and you're playing what I think is I think Tampa's gonna win this division. I said it in the preseason. Tampa, I think, has been greatly slept on, greatly underrated. Tampa had the third highest odds to win the division, third highest over-under win total behind the Yankees and the Blue Jays. They went to the World Series a year ago. A lot of people are discrediting what they did last year when they had the best record in the American League and won the American League pennant for the second time in franchise history. This Rays team is really good, and they're scrappy. And I think that all of these games between the Yankees and the Rays, I tweeted this out on Friday, I think that's going to be the closest division race that we see this year. I think that that's going to come down to a game, maybe two games, maybe three games. Like Both these teams are around the mid-90s in terms of wins. But if you're a Yankees fan, yeah, I know a lot of these Yankees fans, a lot of people outside of the Yankees were saying, Oh, yeah, you know, you got to just put your money on the Yankees to win the American League out of all these teams. Now, granted, there's no one that I love out of the American League this year. I I just, I mean, really, who is it? Who is the team? It's possible that the fourth or fifth best team in baseball is the top team in the American League. For a while, the American League was superior to the National League. That's not the case anymore. And so, circling back to the Yankees, it's not the fact that they, it's not that they lost, it's how they lost. Corey Kluber pitched on Friday and really looked like a shell of himself. I mean, this is not the same Corey Kluber that we saw in, you know, for the better part of the 2010s. Last year, he only pitched one game for the Rangers. And I thought at the time that that was a big get for the Rangers. This is not the same Corey Kluber. He got shelled and got take. He couldn't even get through the third inning. Rays took that game ten to five, and then on Saturday the Rays put up four runs early on Domingo Herman. He looked okay. I think the Yankees are looking at past Cole, a number of guys who would typically, I think, on a good team, saying it right now potential four or five starters, they don't have a true number two or a number three at this time. They're banking on Tyon. They're banking on Kluber. 
And we'll see what ends up happening. It's early. Maybe Montgomery or Herman. Those two guys have showed a lot of promise. They're a little younger. But this uh, this Yankees rotation is a little flimsy. And Aaron Judge didn't play on Friday with shoulder discomfort. It feels like Judge and Stanton, it feels like one of those guys is hurt a lot of the time. I'm, I'm curious to ask Brian what he thinks about the Yankees next week. So uh, I'm going to I'm gonna <laughs> back off the Yankees, but I, I have to think if you're a Yankees fan, you're a little concerned right now. And I know it's early, but these are problems that we discussed in the preseason. And hey, they got, they got a lot of time to sort out the rotation, and maybe some of these guys do end up, you know, with Tyon and Kluber, come back to what they were. Maybe Herman and Montgomery reach their full potential. It just feels like it's a tall ask and uh, a lot to put on some guys who probably should be your four and five starters, and they got four of them. So what it, what happens if Cole gets injured and you're you don't have Cole? I mean, this this is where I think the Yankees are potentially they could be in danger. They're four and five, and had the Rays the Rays are also four and five for that matter. So it's not like the Rays are really setting the league on fire, but that was a huge win today in extras. Eight to four Yankees win that game. Really salvaged the series because if if the Rays had swept them to start the season, that would not that would not have been good. <laughs> but I think um, I think it's gonna be a great race between these teams. The Rays rotation is also a rotation that's had some question marks. Archer and Rich Hill are two guys who started games this weekend, and we saw Brent Honeywell as an opener today. Archer actually looked pretty good from what I saw, but he left the game with uh, forearm discomfort. Uh, We'll see what ends up happening with him. It was sad to see because I was excited to see him back on the Rays. He's another guy, just a good guy you want to root for, you want to see him do well. He struggled when he was in Pittsburgh, but it is what it is. We'll see what happens. I enjoyed watching those games, nevertheless, and look forward to the next time we have Rays Yankees. I think those games are going to be really good, and they're going to be really important this year. Speaking of Jamison Tyon, how about his former teammate, Joe Musgrove, throwing the first no-hitter in Padres history on Friday night as the Padres beat the Texas Rangers 3 to nothing. Joe Musgrove, I'm excited. To, this is another guy that I'm really excited to watch this year. It seems like this pickup was less talked about. We didn't hear a whole lot about it, especially, and I mean, it makes sense. They also went out and they got you Darvish and Blake Snell. Joe Musgrove, I'm excited. I, here's the thing. I'm working on a theory here. For whatever reason, pitchers have not done well with the Pirates in the latter part of the 2010s. So the Pirates were regarded as a savvy front office, analytically based, you know, really good front office from around 2012 through 2016. And they had some really good teams. And then 2017, again, the wheels fell off the wagon around that time. And in they after that year, they traded Garrett Cole. Joe Musgrove was the centerpiece of that deal. Garrett Cole leaves the Pirates, and he kicks up his game two notches, reaches that full potential of a guy that... And he was a really good pitcher in Pittsburgh, but he wasn't the best pitcher in the National League. If he was, he would have commanded a much 
greater return rather than uh, Joe Musgrove and Colin Moran. Hey, those are some nice players. I'm excited to see Joe Musgrove. What can Joe Musgrove be back in his hometown of San Diego after leaving the Pirates? Tyler Glass now, similar story, really struggled with the Pirates. He gets traded, goes to the Rays, and they're able to turn that guy into, I mean, Glass now and Cole might be the two best pitchers in the American League right now in terms of starters. What's going to be the case for Joe Musgrove, Jameson Tyon, Trevor Williams, and Chris Archer this year? Chris Archer goes to Pittsburgh and he pitches the poorest that he did in his whole career for those two and a half years. It was really, it was ugly. So what's going on in Pittsburgh or what was going on in Pittsburgh? They had all these real promising young pitchers after they traded Cole and they went and they traded for Archer. That rotation should have been a lot better the last couple of years. It wasn't. These guys did not meet their full potential. Trevor Williams was a guy in 2018, led the National League in ERA for the second half of the season. He had like a 1-3-6 ERA. And he ends up just leaving the team as a free agent, signing with the Cubs on $2.5 million this past winter. What is it with Pittsburgh? Is it the fact that they've established this culture of losing and these guys are... You know, now they go and play on a competitor and they get a little more fired up. Is Pittsburgh not using and coaching them properly? And these other organizations are doing something and tweaking their mechanics a little bit. I don't know, but uh, I'm curious to see what we get out of those guys this year. Great start for Joe Musgrove. Great story. First, no hitter in San Diego Padres history caught by Victor Caratini who has now caught the last two no-hitters in Major League Baseball as he caught Alec Mills's no-hitter at Miller Park last September. So you want you want Victor Caratini catching for you. That guy, uh, <laughs> whatever he's doing, he's doing something right. He must call a good game. So uh, that's, that's a great story over there in San Diego. The first ever no-hitter in Padres history. As we talk, we have a real exciting Phillies-Braves Sunday night bill on Sunday Night Baseball. And the Phillies are now on top. They came back. They were trailing 4-0 or 4-1. It's now 5-4 Phillies. This is another division race that I think is going to be really good. And uh, the Phillies, over the first 10 days of the season, they, they made a real strong statement last weekend by sweeping the Braves. So they start out 3-0. Then during the week, they take two of three from the Mets. So they get off to this real great 5-1 and one start. And <laughs> I know quite a few Philly fans, and they are so funny to track every single week. They're so passionate. They love their team. And uh, it's funny when they get mad. It's funny when they get excited. It's funny to see their emotions. They're a very emotional fan base. So the Phillies... I was getting a lot of texts. The Atlanta Braves start out 0-4 after getting swept by the Phillies last weekend and then losing game one of a three-game series to the Washington Nationals. And I was getting a lot of texts. Hey, Jack, your Braves pick is way off. You picked the Braves to win the World Series. They're not the same team anymore. We got a lot of those overreactions. And uh, (laughs) the Braves have won their last four games since then. So they start out 0-4. They're now 4-4. And if the Braves are if the Braves manage to win this game tonight, 
they will have regained all three of those games that they dropped last weekend in Philly. They pick them up at home in Atlanta at Truist. And then you have these two teams tied for first place at the NL East. I think this Phillies team is going to be the best challenge the Braves have seen over the last few years. They've won the division three straight years. Credit to the Phillies, though. Whatever happens tonight, that Phillies team's good. They reworked their bullpen. They've got a number of guys who have uh, who've been able to step in and contribute. Hector Neris is a very good closer. Brogdon is uh, 3-0. They added Jose Alvarado. They added Archie Bradley. They've reworked their bullpen. They look like a different team. I also think another thing that helps them with Alec Bohm now coming up to the show they have a nice mix of veterans and, and a couple of young guys, too, for that matter. But the thing that I like about this Phillies team compared to two years ago, two years ago, the target was on their back. They made a lot of noise. They went out and got Real Muto. They got Bryce Harper. And the bullseye was very big. And this time around, like the bullseye in this division is on the backs of the New York Mets. And they've been together a couple of years. They've got a, a great manager who came over last year, Joe Girardi. I like the I mean, I have the Phillies winning a wild card spot this year. I think they will. I think this is gonna be is the potential to be a really fun divisional battle that we haven't seen between these two teams in a while. It could, you know, bring you back to the nineties with those teams with John Crook and then the big three over there in Atlanta with their pitching rotation. Elsewhere in baseball, I watched a little bit of Rockies Giants this week. Johnny Cueto's stuff looked really good. If he's available in your fantasy leagues, pick him up. I was able to scoop him up, and I think his demand is going to go up. Uh, but he looked really good. He threw seven or eight scoreless innings on Friday against the Rockies. Now, granted, it was the Rockies. And on the other side... What I saw from the Rockies, out again, I don't think either of these teams are going to be competitive this year. I know the Giants are off to a 6-3 and three start, so we'll see what ends up happening with them. It's early. We'll see what happens again. <laughs> we'll see what happens. It feels like they're going to, both those teams are going to get swallowed up by the beasts that are the Dodgers and the Padres. Ooh, by the way, Padres start out season 7-3. and three. I think that's huge for the Padres. Padres, I thought, needed to get off to this big, good start because... Again, they're a team that came in with high expectations, a bullseye on their backs, and I think it's important for them to get off to a good start. They're 7-3. and three. Now, the, the Rockies are the inverse of that. They're 3-7. and seven. But what I saw out of the Rockies this week that I think is encouraging for them, Austin Gomber and Antonio Senzatella both had a couple... They each had... A really good outing this past week. Now, we did see Anthony DiSclefani on the other side, the, the Giants. It's like, hey, maybe these these pitchers, these are a lot of guys who, with Senzatella and Gomber, it's it's young guys. But then you have got Cueto and DiSclefani as guys who've hung around. Obviously, Cueto has had Tommy John, and he was an elite pitcher at one point. I don't know if he's elite anymore. And DiSclefani hung around with the Reds and was always a, a solid pitcher. And he, now he gets his opportunity to shine in San Francisco. But uh, it's hard to tell because they're not playing very good teams. But what I saw at Senzatella uh, on Thursday, I think it was, and maybe it was Wednesday, I can't remember. Senzatella, it was actually against the Diamondbacks 
last week. Went eight innings, four hits, two walks, no runs. And he did, he only struck out three guys. So that's a very efficient outing. You're not going to need to, you're not using a lot of pitches to get guys out. Um, so that's real encouraging. And then Austin Gomber, it was a game that they lost as the Giants swept the Rockies this weekend. But Gomber, he went six and a third, one hit, two earned, four walks. His stuff looked really good. And he was the main chip that the Rockies got back in that Arenado trade. The big thing for the Rockies has been, well, they can score runs in Colorado, but can they uh, can they get enough of their pitching staff to win these games? Because Colorado is a dang hard place to pitch in. The high altitude, it's a big ballpark, a lot of room for balls to land in the outfield, but and it's going to be a rebuilding year for the Rockies. I don't they're three and seven. I'm not expecting them to be anything more than what they've shown this year, but if they can get those two guys, if they can get Kyle Freeland to bounce back. If they can get, you know, they do have Herman Marquez, that's the key for them is to solidify that rotation and potentially get some more bats in there. They're going to need to replace Arnado's production some way, somehow. Nolan Arnado claims that he got his first ever curtain call as a big leaguer, and there was another rumor about him potentially telling the Cardinals, uh, telling someone on the Cardinals that he wanted to get traded for and go to St. Louis. Uh, so uh, it was pretty funny to see how Colorado Rockies fans were reacting to that on Twitter over the last few days. But, uh, hey, the Cardinals, 5-4, and four, they're right around where you'd expect them to be. The uh, Milwaukee Brewers, 5-4. and four. Now, a big surprise so far, the Reds are scoring a million runs. They've scored more runs than any other team this year. They've scored 66 through their first nine games. They uh, have a plus 20 in run differential. And again, like I talk about the Rockies. So we know that the Reds can get guys out. Their rotation has been very good over the last couple of years. They haven't been able to score runs. So if they're able to keep this going this year, now you're looking at the Reds as potentially a contender. But Hey, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll tell you who's not looking good. The Chicago Cubs. I've watched every Cubs game so far. The Cubs, their rotation is actually impressed. Aside from the last couple days where Davies got hit, uh, he got shelled last night. Gave up seven runs. Pirates put up another seven runs on the Cubs today. And those are games against the Pittsburgh Pirates that you are expected to win and you should win and you need to win you gotta win I mean this Pirates team might win 50 games total this year (laughs) it's not it's not a good Pirates team once again the Cubs their problem is in their pitching and by the way again Davies wasn't good yesterday I actually didn't think Williams was bad today Trevor Williams uh again they put up runs but they weren't generating hard contact what I've seen today was the Cubs made Two, there were two errors that were not rule errors. It was Javi Baez made a bad play. Chris Bryant made a play where he spun around and fired the ball over to first, and he probably should have hung on to the ball. And uh, what should have been ruled as a throwing error, it was ru- both of those plays were ruled as hits. And then what ends up happening is the, the floodgates pour in, and 
soft contact. The Pirates were putting the ball in play, hitting them where they ain't. I didn't think Williams looked bad, but what I, what I will say, who has looked bad, the Cubs, again, they they do these things where they, yesterday, Ian Happ, ball in center field. I feel like we talk about this every every week. There's a ball in center field that Ian Happ needs to catch. He's not an outfielder. He doesn't catch it. And yeah, the Cubs shoot themselves in the foot with those errors. Now, if these guys in their lineup were swinging the bat exceptionally well, then you could forgive them for the poor defensive efforts. No, that's not the case. Once again, and this is why we know what the Chicago Cubs are. This is what the Chicago Cubs are. Now, I'm going to give you some numbers here. Entering play Sunday. Here are your batting averages from the Chicago Cubs. Jake Marisnik, 300. Chris Bryant, 259. Javi Baez, 241. Then it gets really bad after that. I mean, And I mean really bad. Jason Hayward, 200. Eric Sogard, 167. Anthony Rizzo, 148. Matt Duffy, 143. Ian Happ, 143. Wilson Contreras, 136. Jock Peterson, 120. And the Cubs' second baseman, who's played played seven of their first nine games, David Bodie, 111. The Cubs, the, here are your Cubs team ranks in offense over this first 10 days of the season. They're 30th in batting average. They're 28th in OBP, 27th in OPS, 24th in slugging percentage. They have the second worst strikeout rate. 27th in offensive war, 29th in weighted runs created plus, 27th in runs, 27th in RBI. But hey, they're only they're 12th in homers. That's pretty good, right? This team's based around a lot of swing and miss. It's a lot of high strikeout guys. A lot of guys in this lineup who are inconsistent. The stars are inconsistent. It's not a good blend of bats. And this is where they've been now for several years. They peaked in 2016, and it hasn't been good since. (laughs) What can I say? I think the Cubs, uh, I know it's early, but they just keep reaffirming how a lot of the fans view their offensive pieces. And again, their, their pitching rotation hasn't been bad. Davies was great last weekend. Trevor Williams was great this past week. Adbert Alzali, he didn't do great, but Hendricks was phenomenal this past week. Arietta's been really good in two starts. It's the same problem. The Cubs can't score runs consistently. They don't put the ball in play enough. They don't get base knocks. They're, they hit a lot of solo home runs when no one else is on base. They don't hit timely. I think the Cubs are going to be selling off a lot of these guys come deadline, as they should. If you, if you can't, I mean, they got some time here to turn it around. I know it's early. And again, we're trying not to overreact to stuff. But this is the same stuff with the Cubs every single year. You have a team batting average of 168. You have a an, team OBP of 268. This is what the Cubs are. They're just not, they're not that good. It's, it's unfortunate, but I mean, they're going to have to, they're going to be selling some guys. Come deadline. Now, all right, look at the standings. Okay, so Boston Red Sox off to a 6-3 and three start. They're leading American League East. Good start for the Red Sox. 
Indians, another team. Both those teams are teams that I wasn't expecting too much from, and it's early. But the the Indians are five and three atop of the AL Central. The American League West. Now, biggest surprise of the season for me so far, the six and three Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I was a huge doubter, huge critic of this team coming into the season. Truly just wasn't seeing it with them. Now, I did lose Dexter Fowler today. He tore his ACL and he's done for the whole year. Thoughts and prayers, Fowler. Um, Hate to see that. Really a great guy in the game of baseball. Another guy that you root for. But so, you know, they lose Fowler. I was watching them the other night against the Blue Jays. Jose Quintana couldn't find the strike zone. He walked in two guys and couldn't get out of the second inning. And I, I do have my doubts. I don't think their pitching staff is good enough. But I got to give him credit. Joe Madden, those Angels, 6-3 and three start, tied for first in the American League West with the Houston Astros. Now, the team that I am most disappointed in to start the season, Oakland A's, who got swept by the, the, I think it was a, it was either three, maybe it was four games. I can't remember, but they haven't looked good against the Astros. They got swept last weekend. This weekend, uh, not good. They're three and seven, and you don't want you you can't win a division in April, but you can lose a division in April. So Oakland A's, they're the one that I'm uh, least impressed with. That I had higher hopes for. I picked them to win that division the biggest surprise for me so far of course the angels they're they're the big surprise the reds a little bit of a surprise but uh i mean you know we we knew the reds could be solid they've been disappointing the last couple years so both those teams a surprise giants another surprise and uh yeah i guess no one else is really who's off to a slow start is surprising me the mets fans aren't very happy right now the mets Fun story today, I will say, before we sign off. They hosted a game today against the Marlins. It was raining. It was coming down pretty significantly. Now, the Mets, as the home team, have the option to delay the game or start the game. They chose to start the game. Nine pitches in, the tarp comes out, and they end up suspending play. So Marcus Stroman threw nine pitches, and then he he was essentially done. So Stroman was very unhappy. Uh, he said that game should not have been played. We had a, a nice lead on this story from uh, CBS Sports. It says, new owner, same dysfunction for the New York Mets. Uh, so you don't like to see that. Washington Nationals, had they have a number of guys who have COVID right now. The Nationals and the Mets, they had their first series postponed. And that was, again, unfortunate that... And that's why the Braves had to play a doubleheader with the Nationals because they had to postpone one of those games. I think it was a Monday game. The Mets are two and three, too early to call, but it's the same. It's the same thing. There's always something in New York. It always feels like whether it's the Jets or the Mets, it always feels like something is dysfunctional and something's off. And you got to shed that culture. That's that is their number one factor working against them. They got to overcome that shed that culture of what the Mets have been for the last several years and get back to where they were when they got to the NLCS in 2015. They have who I think is pitching the best in baseball right now. That's Jacob deGrom. 
threw a gem on Saturday. He struck out 14 guys, allowed one run through six innings, and they managed to lose that game. You, you, you can't waste DeGrom outings like that. You got to win those games. So we'll see what happens with the Mets. We got a number of teams uh, to discuss next time. But for today's show, hey, guys, there's our baseball, our first baseball podcast episode of the regular season. How about that? Hope you guys liked it. Hope I didn't go too long. I try to keep these things when it's just me. I try to keep it short, but there was too much to discuss. I had too many thoughts on my mind. I did have I did have one other thing I want to say. Non-baseball related, we'll go college basketball. So the transfer portal is on fire right now. We got a lot of guys going to the portal, including Mac McClung today. He's declaring for the NBA draft as well. So we'll see if he goes into the NBA or if he ends up transferring and leaving. We're now seeing a lot of guys entering the portal and then sticking with the school and not actually leaving. I want to give a lot of credit to Mike Woodson and what he's done at Indiana now in his first two weeks. They did lose Franklin. They did lose Durham, two of their guards. Those guys left. But Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, those two guys... Two of their, potentially maybe their two best players last year. Two of the best players in the Big Ten. They both are coming back after entering into the transfer portal. So for Mike Woodson to retain those guys, he's already doing something right. So good sign there for the Hoosiers. And excited to talk more college basketball for that matter. Uh, We'll see what ends up happening with this offseason. But... If you liked our college basketball talk, you can go back and uh, see the last episode where I ate cat food uh, for saying that Oral Roberts would lose in the NCAA tournament. I was so wrong, and cat food is disgusting. You don't want to try that stuff, guys. It's really, really bad. (laughs) It is bad for your stomach. I felt sick for two or three days after that. (laughs) So, all right, guys. Hope you guys had fun this morning or afternoon, evening, whenever it's that you're listening to this episode. I'm going to be back next week with Brian Cohen to talk baseball. Maybe we'll see some other stuff. Maybe we'll talk some challenges as well, for that matter. Uh, excited to talk with Brian, and uh, yeah, should be a lot of fun. So subscribe to this show if you like what I'm doing here. Log on to my website, jackvita.com. Follow along on social media. That's youtube.com slash jackvita, facebook.com slash jackvitashow, at jackvitashow on Twitter and Instagram. We may have another surprise interview coming up on the podcast. I mean, I didn't really tell people that I was going to be having Jay Starrett on the podcast when I did. That just kind of, I didn't want to jinx it, but we may have someone. It's a mystery. I'm not going to tell you who in case it doesn't happen, but we may have another secret interview dropping soon. So pays to listen to this whole episode and <laughs> to know that over the other folks. So guys, uh, until the next time that you hear from me, I'm Jack Vita, bringing the dancing lobsters. <laughs>